0: You're listening to the Study Legal English Podcast, the world's first legal English podcast, helping lawyers and law students become fluent in legal English. Hello, and welcome to episode 34 of the Study Legal English Podcast. I am your host, Louise, and the next few episodes of the show, including this one, are all about the European Union. And all these episodes are part of the English Legal System, Module 2, Sources of Law course. In these episodes, we will be looking at the history of the EU, its institutions, its laws, and of course, looking at Brexit. Today's episode focuses on the history and the development of the EU, specifically looking at the treaties which established it and from which its legitimacy is derived. It is important to note that everything the EU does, the laws and the policies it makes, for example are all founded on treaties which have been negotiated and voluntarily and democratically approved and ratified by all EU member states. Therefore, of course, it's a good place to start. Some relevant points about some of the words used in this episode about treaties and the European Union are, firstly, a signatory of a treaty – is a state or a party who has signed a treaty. This expresses the intention to comply with the treaty, but at this stage the treaty is unlikely to be binding unless further action is taken. The further action which is required is normally ratification. To ratify a treaty, or the ratification of a treaty, refers to the approval given by the head of state or the head of state and legislature, to a treaty, which normally means that this treaty becomes binding on that state. Therefore, we do not say that a treaty was passed in the way that we say a law was passed or an act was passed. Instead, we say that the treaty was signed and ratified. Finally, when we talk about the European Union, we talk about member states. These are countries which are part of the European Union. Great, so hopefully that will help us as we go through today's episode. So, let's get started. Nowadays, although not the perfect system, the European Union has come a long way to achieve its initial vision of a peaceful and prosperous Europe – founded on common values of democracy, respect of human rights and the rule of law, whilst at the same time it celebrates the diversity of its 28 members, cultures, traditions and languages. But how did it get here? How did such a complex union come into being? Well, the origins of the European Union as we know it today date way back to the post-World War II era, and its origins, aims and intentions were a direct response to the war. World War II showed the world the worst that man is capable of, and in the post-war period there was a recognition in Europe of the need for countries to work together in politics, economics and security towards common peaceful and progressive goals, and of course, for safeguards to be put in place in order to prevent such atrocities from ever happening again. It was out of this need and desire to create a better, safer world that the EU grew. Some six years after the end of World War Two, in 1951, six countries – France, France, West Germany, Belgium, Luxembourg, Italy and the Netherlands got together and formed the European Coal and Steel Community, known as the ECSC, by signing the European Coal and Steel Community Treaty, also known as the Paris Treaty. Whilst the ECSC was mainly a way to organise the production of steel and coal, It also inevitably was an indirect means of controlling the manufacturing of arms, because, of course, weapons need steel and coal in order to be produced. Later, in 1957, the six founding members, France, West Germany, Belgium, Luxembourg, Italy and the Netherlands, signed two treaties in Rome – These were firstly the European Atomic Energy Community Treaty in order to regulate nuclear power, and secondly the Treaty Establishing the Creation of the European Community, also known as the Treaty of Rome, and this established the European Economic Community, the EEC, and also the Common Market. The Common Market meant that over time Gradually, trade barriers between member nations would be eliminated and common policies in areas related to transportation, agriculture and economics would be implemented to foster economic and political union. The European Union as we know it today was beginning to take shape, although at this time it was known as the European Economic Community. In 1973, as a consequence of passing the European Communities Act 1972, the UK became the seventh member of the EEC, and in the same year Denmark and Ireland also joined. Gradually, through the accession of new member states, this community of countries throughout Europe was growing This process is often referred to as the enlargement of the European Union. In 1981, Greece joined, and Spain and Portugal in 1986. In 1986, the 12 members – Belgium, the Federal Republic of Germany, France, Ireland, Luxembourg, the Netherlands, Portugal, Spain, the UK, Greece, Denmark and Italy – all signed the single european act which was the first major revision of the 1957 treaty of rome this set out the goal of creating a single market within the european community by 1992 to ensure for the free flow of trade across eu borders later in 1992 the treaty establishing the european union or the Treaty of Maastricht, was signed incorporating all the existing communities into this new entity. Once the treaty had been ratified, the European Union came into being. It was founded on three pillars. Firstly, the European Communities. Secondly, Common Foreign and Security Policy and thirdly, cooperation on justice and home affairs. The treaty called for a number of things, including the creation of a central European bank and, eventually, for a common currency. In 1993, the single market was fully in operation based around the four freedoms of movement of goods, services, people and money. And following the creation of the European Union, a number of subsequent treaties made amendments and developed it further, and, through accession, more members joined. In 1995, Austria, Finland and Sweden joined as members, and in 1997 there was another major treaty. This was the Treaty of Amsterdam, which gave the EU the power to legislate on a range of issues, including immigration and civil law if it was necessary for the free movement of persons within the EU. This treaty also incorporated the Schengen Treaties so that these particular rules became EU law. And what this effectively meant was that it allowed the Schengen area to operate like a single state with no internal border controls, such as passport checks between countries. Perhaps some of you listeners out there have had to get a Schengen visa to come and visit Europe, and you know then you can travel throughout Europe freely for the specified time on your visa. So next, in 2001, the Treaty of Nice made reforms to the institutional structure of the EU – dealing with things like the voting of member states in the Council of the European Union and the court structure. We haven't yet dealt with the institutions, but this will be covered in the next episode. Following the Treaty of Nice, the Treaty of Lisbon was signed in 2007, and after some difficulties it was finally ratified and entered into force in 2009. This treaty made significant changes, such as the merging of the three pillars. If you remember, the Maastricht Treaty set up the European Union with the three pillars. And this particular treaty, the Treaty of Lisbon, merged these three pillars into the reformed European Union. It also created a long-term president of the European Council – and increased involvement of the European Parliament in the legislation-making process. It also renamed the Treaty of Establishing the European Community as the Treaty on the Functioning of the European Union, with renumbering. And by this, I mean that the original numbers of the treaty articles were all changed. So if any of you listeners are students perhaps studying an LLM, a Master's in Law, in the UK and you cover European law, you will see how confusing this can be when there are effectively the same treaty with different names and different numbers. So this was the final significant treaty of the European Union to date. Of course, after this time, the European Union has still been growing and developing further and now has 28 member states as of 2018. So that's the end of today's episode, where we've looked at the development of the European Union and its origins. In the next episode, we'll be looking at the institutions of the EU before moving on in subsequent episodes to look at the European Union laws and Brexit. This episode has included lots of legal English vocabulary, which you can find as a podcast pro member at www.studylegalenglish.com forward slash episode 34. And of course, if you're not a member yet, you can sign up at www.studylegalenglish.com forward slash podcast pro. So I hope you've enjoyed the show. If you have any questions, please do get in touch you can do so by writing to me at info at studylegalenglish.com or of course on Facebook and Twitter. So thanks for listening and see you next time.